Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner in crime for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, your vocation, your spiritual life, or maybe your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. My name is Chris Maxwell, and I'm here with my friend Tracy Reynolds. Uh, Tracy, it's um, it's just always a joy to me to get time with you. Uh, Same. Moments like this where we're um, recording conversations, but but all the moments, the text messages, mm-hmm. uh, the phone calls, and the face-to-face time, uh, thank you. Thank you for your friendship. Uh, thank you for our years together and uh, a decade and a half together of, of spending time with one another. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, I feel like we're just getting started. Yeah. You know, that, which is a wonderful feeling. Same here. Uh, I don't take for granted the uh, the blessings of friendship and true fellowship, brother. It's yeah. good stuff. It is. It is very good. And I was thinking about one of your opening lines in your intro uh, to this podcast. This is uh, thanks for joining us. I mean, that's a that's a great line, a popular line. We we do thank those who listen in uh, to the conversation that you and I have with each other. But I'm thinking of those last two words, joining us. I mean, there is life there when we invite people to join us in the adventure of grace, to join us in this life of love and hope and joy and care. Um, many people, unfortunately, uh, try to endure this life adventure alone yeah. uh, in the singular. But we've emphasized over and over the importance of community. And and uh, the, the whole purpose of this is thinking of next step leadership. We're, we're wanting to encourage others to be willing to take the next step. And from our angle, kind of the, the vantage point that we have, we see the the emphasis must be on training, mentoring, and developing others that we're willing to pass the microphones to. Talk to us from your heart about that, Tracy. Wow. Uh, this has been an aspiration for me. Um, I, I tremble just to ever um, give the idea that somehow I may have all this figured out because I feel like in so many areas of life that I'm just a novice that chronology the age doesn't really matter and this is one of those areas but i feel increasingly intentional about um mentoring and and that's not a a word i mean I, I, let's be let's drill down a bit as to what that that feels like and what that actually is because not everybody likes that word i hope we haven't ruined it um the life verse for me uh i i met some people early on in my student ministry that I observed their mentoring, their discipling techniques. And it was, it was the scripture that drove that for them, drove that for me. And I adopted it because it was the best I knew. So even in that, I was mentored, I think. So it's actually out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it's the first couple of verses. Paul speaking to his mentee or his protege, his colleague, his younger um, disciple of Jesus. And he says, you then my son. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go any further than that. You just feel the, um, the warmth of that. You feel the love in that, the fellowship in that. You then, my son, be strong in the grace 
that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you, Timothy, have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses in the larger crowd scenario, maybe in rows, entrust those things that you heard me say. Entrust those to faithful men or capable men or available men who would be qualified later to do the same or to pour that into other people. And when you think about it, Chris, there's Paul and Timothy, then there's going to be you know the, the crowd, then there's going to be faithful men, then others. There's four generations depicted in that one verse. So the gist of that, and it coincides so beautifully with the great commission when Jesus said, hey, here's your job. It's to go and as you're going, make disciples. And to me, the words disciple and mentor or leader are just synonymous because we're all following the great disciple, the great master and leader teacher. So that has been an aspiration and continues to be the aspiration that drives us both in this ministry, but Mm -hmm. uh, in every facet of life. And I've been blessed to have some people in my life that did that for me. And I think that's what I would like to talk about today, um, which is a tad difficult. Yeah. Because in this particular case, as I'll share a bit later, it didn't end well. Mm. But I'd love to tell you what he did for me, and maybe that'll shed some insight into what I should be or could be doing with other people. How's well, that, yeah, I think that's what we need to hear. And uh, as you uh, began talking about it, um, there was one statement you made. I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but it was almost like, well, I'm not an expert. I can't remember how you said it, but um, I consider you, honestly, Tracy, I feel like you are uh, someone who does uh, this role of mentoring and discipling and training and guiding others. I feel like you do it well. You do this very well. And you have helped uh, those students that you and I have had the honor of working with. Um, You have loved them You've guided them. You've taught them. But you've taught them so much when the mic is off. You've taught them. So, yes, you, 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 you taught well in the classroom. I mean, with your music, with your preaching, uh, with, with your teaching. Y- yes, you, you, you do that in the, in the stage role. But you also do that in the sit beside you and listen to you role. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've seen you do that and do it well. Um, and so, yeah, I want you to take time to tell us stories of how you have mentored. But, but I do believe we need to go back and, and realize that not all of those who mentor us and guide us, um, their, their lives do not always end well. Yeah. And we should not let that rob us of yeah. what we have learned from them. Tracy, just talk to us. My mentor's name was Harold, um, Harold Huff. I'll use his name fully uh, because I think that it will mean something to those people who, who know we're mutual friend. He deeply impacted my life. I first intersected him when he was attending our church. Um, I knew him as a businessman, but I also knew he was Colonel Harold mm-hmm. Huff. He was not just any colonel. He actually was a presidential pilot. He flew the, the, at that time, it was Army One was the helicopter that flew. He flew five different presidents of the United States. But he wasn't just that. He, was, he became a, uh, an instructor for presidential pilots. Now, 
I don't know how much higher you can go in the hierarchy of things. If you want the best pilots flying the presidents well, then we have the next level where the trainers of that. Well, that's what he was until he retired. Um, So it was Lieutenant Colonel Harold Huff. But to me, he was a man who loved Jesus and his whole life was about uh, discipling and emulating discipleship for uh, other people. And I, I met him at church and I was drawn to him. I knew that he had this thing he did with guys uh, called Master Life. And a couple of us pastors, actually there were four on my pastoral uh, staff team, asked him if he would take us through Master Life because we'd never had anybody formally Mm -hmm. disciple us. And here we are, pastors in the church in the the late 80s, right? I'm probably seven, eight years, maybe nine years into uh, professional ministry, vocational ministry. So we began meeting with him every Tuesday morning. And he said, I'm going to go half speed. He said, this curriculum moves way too fast. Now, think about that. He said, it's just too much information. And he would say things like this. It's not my goal to get through the book, talking about the Bible. He said, it's my role to get the book through you. Boy, that's powerful. Yeah. So uh, from my devotions uh, I think about that at so many levels. You know, it's not my goal to get through the plan, or get through the lesson plan, or get through the. Uh, no, it's what God's trying to do with us is get His book, get His Word through us. Wow, that that's a, a paradigm. That's a that's so different than any I'd ever had. So we began to meet every Tuesday morning for like two and a half hours. Well, there were some disciplines in that. We read the same quiet times, meaning like we would say we're in the book of John and we would he would break it down. Uh, I like like reading five or six chapters at one time and you know, I'm doing a lot of different things as one. You, you know that's me. And I don't think that's great, but not him. He would give us like three verses by John 1, 1 through 3. And I'm going, come on, man. So my quiet time would be that. And then he gave us a little pad. It was all, you know, written paper. And it just had like four or five short half page lines on it. It was like who, what, when, where, and why. And then the last one was what I call the so what. So the first one was observations, who, what, when, where, and why questions. The second part was applications. And we would get together every week and just share kind of like our highlight reel of what the Lord spoke to us as we were journaling a little bit every day. Oh, and by the way, we would memorize the scripture and he made it, Stu, it letter perfect. He would say, now the way your brain stores things is by uh, different uh, uh, topics. So it's files. So we would say uh, the word of God, boom. And then we'd say, then we'd say the address. Uh, it might be uh, like I said, Second Timothy two one and two, and then we'd do the entire verse, and then have to say the address again. Said because the address don't want to stick in your brain, and then he would drill us on that and grill us on that until we got it right. If you didn't get it right, you did it again. And the reason wasn't because he was trying to make it perfect again; he was trying to get that into our hearts. And he just said, "I know you won't remember it unless you do it right." Hmm. And that was part of his military training. I get that, but we would share, and he would teach us lessons. But what I loved was it was just time together with a bunch of men where we would talk about what God was speaking to us. And that in itself, it was unbelievable to sit five or six guys around a table, how we'd read the same scriptures and hear different things from God. And it was so yeah. encouraging. And as he's mentoring you, though, not all of your times were spent studying the Bible. 
Take us to other places where you experienced life together and you saw him uh, lead you and mentor you. Well, after we got through with the two years at least, Master Life, and I think I took it again at the second level. So uh, not too long after that, somewhere we began, he asked me, or maybe I invited myself to play. I said, I hear you play racquetball. I'd love to learn how to play a little bit of that. So he took me over to the Navy school, and we would play racquetball. So we would play racquetball for an hour. And this guy was, you know, 10 or 15 years older than me, right? And he's, I've got a weight advantage on him that I'm, I'm, I'm more lean and agile than he is. But he knew how to play, and it didn't matter. He could just sit in the middle of the court and make these masterful shots. He showed me how to use a racket, and he mentored me, and he would have to try really hard to get down to my level so he wouldn't just skunk me seven to nothing every game. Well, after several weeks, now we would do that for an hour, then we'd go pray for an hour and and Mm -hmm. get dressed. And Oh, by the way, I had to monitor my weight. Every week, that was that step on this mean no scale, and it would always weigh five or six pounds more than one at home. It was like going to the doctor; it was horrible, but I loved it. So after a few weeks, he would say, uh, "Well, he would beat me badly." And then uh, after a, a few weeks or months, it got to where every once in a while I would win a point or two points or three points, and mm. um, and I could tell that he liked that. But like if the game was getting really close, he would kind of turn it up a notch because he was a competitor, and he wouldn't let me win. So um, after some more time, it got a little more even, where I was winning more points and winning mm. more points. And he was having – and not only that, I, had, I was getting him out of that center spot and making him run a little bit, and he was getting winded. And then when I would see – it was like blood in the water. Then I would say, oh, here I go. i got to knock him out. Where if he's on one side, I'm going to make him go to the other side. I'm going to wear him out. But he showed me how to do that. And I remember never forget the day, the day that I beat him for the first time. <laughs> now, let me emphasize, it was for the first time because after that – he could put his best game out there, and we were just having fun and going at it. Yeah. I could never have done that if he hadn't taken the time to week after week after week uh, pour into me. And he was mentoring me in that, but he was mentoring me in life and just love and being. There were so many things that he did not label or have a lesson plan for that I learned. And I quote him all the time uh, and don't even know sometimes that I'm, that I'm quoting him. Uh, but that relationship gave me things that I've endeavored to give to other people. Yeah. What an example he was for you in living that life. Yeah. And, and not all those examples and, and the stories of those people uh, in the way we want them to, Tracy. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time with Harold. We um, uh, he, he He introduced me to Clark Central Football. And he was a chaplain over there for years. And he came on and said, why don't you come along and do this? He, he had me do that with him. And then um, in the context of that, I'll never forget it. It was 2004 was the year. It was the day before graduation. I had a friend call me and say, hey, man, did you hear about Harold? Hmm. And I had not heard about Harold. And I knew about what he said, what he meant by that. My friend, who I'd seen two weeks before that, had hung himself in his office. Hmm. And uh, I couldn't get out of there quick enough, and I met Miss Anne. I went over to the funeral home, and I helped him plan his funeral. And a lot of my friends really struggled with um, the theology of that. What do you do with a guy who has a Bible study over at the YMCA with 30, 35 men every Thursday that, to my knowledge, still meets? What do you do with a guy who's mentored and taken so many through master life? 
And I, I just realized that there was a there was a lot of stuff that I just did not know how to process there. I kind of went through that time my own way. And I didn't have time to process my own grief because I was, I was helping other people process theirs. But even as recently as last week, I was thinking about, about Harold and his impact on my life. And I realized that this man made deposits in me that will forever and ever and ever guide me. That truth, that word of God was never yeah. wasted on me. Mm-hmm. I, I hated that I didn't have what he needed in the moment to help him through that time. Turns out he was probably bipolar. We didn't know that, undiagnosed. He was helping other people so much that he wasn't feeding himself in that area. Mm-hmm. And looking back, you could see what led up to that. But God used this man to help mold my life. And the gold, uh, I miss him, but I celebrate that. And uh, I have zero regrets. Uh, That's not something I stay up at night worrying about. But I'm so grateful for a man who poured into me so that I can learn to pour into other people. What an example he was for you, leading you, guiding you, mentoring you. And, uh, you know, that that part of the story is so sad to me. Uh, But I want us to use that as a reminder for ourselves and, and, and people around us to emphasize the importance of each person. Yeah. All of us who are mentoring others, each of us, we need someone mentoring us. We need someone holding us accountable. And we need to all get help for whatever struggle we're going through. Let's not, let's not use the busyness of mentoring others to keep us from uh, receiving care yeah. from those around us. Well said. And and Tracy, this is just a powerful story. Thank you for telling that. And and you are here today because of someone like that. Absolutely. And, and, and I think as we glance into the future, who will be in leadership roles because we were able to listen to them, love them, play sports with them, pray for them, and help each person that we are mentoring and loving, learning this life journey together, helping them see from the angle of Letting the next step be the best step. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Hey, do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Chris Maxwell is the author of 10 books, including Pause with Jesus, Underwater, A Slow and Sudden God, and his latest book of poetry, Embracing Now. You can find links to all of his work and our social media information at our website, nextstepleadership.buzzsprout.com. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. Follow them on Instagram at Casual Americans. And new music is coming soon. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.